Hello, Jared Bambus. Are we on? We're on. Yes. Okay, cool. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Wow. Your voice. I know. Is amazing. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, all right, dude. So what's going on with weed? Why Why is it still illegal? What the fuck? You know, there's a lot of money in uh, uh, not only the criminalization of marijuana, but also the legalization aspect. So a lot of people say, why don't we just decriminalize? You know, why don't we just go ahead and make the whole thing legal? Why don't we remove criminal penalties? But they're not considering the, you know, not only the military industrial complex, the war on drugs, um, private prison, pro- uh, for-profit private prisons. Wait, what's the military industrial complex? And can you talk a little bit closer into the mic or you can take the mic out or you can actually raise up the mic a little bit. Like you, you raise up the mic by loosening that, like to not no, twist it the other way. To, yep. And then, and then lift up the mic and just like put it right up. Like you, you want to be a fist away from your mouth. There you go. Fist away from my mouth. Yes. Beautiful. And if you, if you can also move in your chair a little bit, there we go. Trying to get comfy. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like we want, we want these lines to be a little bit bigger, which is okay. Beautiful. Uh, yes. Okay. Yo, Jared. Yo. Hey, yo, uh, uh, Levi. Hi. Okay, okay. So okay. What, what's the military-industrial complex? So as far as the military-industrial complex goes, it's more the uh, recurring uh, in- input of uh, revenue into the uh, funding of our military and domestic and uh, international operations, both psychological and uh, on-the-ground domestic. So basically there is a, when you criminalize something, such as, you know, whether it be, a, you know, pornography or uh uh, drugs or you know uh, weapons of mass destruction in other countries there's an incentive right. to fund operations to go in and remove these threats and assuming that there is a threat there will always be a reason to pursue funding and allocate funding to these individual projects so there's a lot of uh, incentive and money on the line for agencies to essentially come up with problems to actively fight and is one of combat. those companies the military industrial complex not the company per se, but the military industrial complex is what's being funded and fed by the U.S. federal government. So, like, what? Like, so I'm a little bit confused still. What is the military industrial complex? Oh, wait, wait. You know what? Before we get into it, I I can't believe I didn't I can't believe I didn't start with this. I have like ads and shit. Welcome to the Graham Radio Podcast. <laughs> Sorry, what a what an introduction. Um, what? Welcome to the Graham Radio Podcast. Today on the show we have Jared Bambus. Hello, Jared Bambus. Hello. And um, today we are going to talk about a lot of very interesting stuff. Uh, before we get started, of course, follow Graham Radio for everything music. Check out the post-game mixes for it. It's the deepest of the house. Um, drink Harry Blue's Gin, promo code GRP for free shipping on that. And uh, I feel like I'm missing something. Um, I don't... Or is that it? Yeah. I mean, that's, I guess I guess, I guess, guess that is it. All right. Cool. All right, Jared Bambus. What yeah, is, back to what we were talking about. What is the military-industrial complex? Uh, essentially, the funding of uh, both domestic and international operations, not only in the within the military, but but is there. it a, is it a place though? No, no, no. It's a concept. So it's essentially, a con- it's, it's a concept. I think okay. of it as a revolving door of funding to fight bad guys. It's and a revol- the uh, and the the funding never stops because there's always a new bad guy. And as long as we're always pursuing that new bad guy, there's always an incentive to allocate funding to these individual projects. And where does the funding come from? The U.S. federal government. So, uh, for example, with marijuana, granted more of a domestic operation, not so much military industrial as much as, uh, you know, prison industrial, there's an incentive to put people in prison because prisons profit on having prisoners within their confines. I thought that it cost a lot of money for prisoners to be in to be in prisons. It definitely can, and that's one of the issues. Is it comes, it actually impacts the taxpayer, but the okay. prison a lot of the time isn't the one eating the. Uh, I say eat, but they aren't the ones actually consuming or 
facing a deficit Do, as far uh, as the they're, they're not the ones dealing <clears throat> with the costs. Correct. Okay. And we are, and you and me, taxpayers, are typically the ones who are paying into these prisons. And on top of that, they're benefiting from labor. In California, for example, they use prisoners to fight fire to fight fires at approximately a, a fifty cents to a dollar an hour. Wait, wait, wait! They use prisoners to fight fires. Yes. How do uh, they do that? <laughs> so think of it as like a work release program. So okay. here in Florida, for example, um, in Tallahassee, if you get caught with like a little bit of weed or something like that, um, instead of going to prison, they'd have a what's it called? Uh, what? Um, they have like a, a program. Yeah, exactly. A, 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 a pre-trial diversion program is what it's called. And uh, you can go and actually pick up trash on the side of the road for six hours a day for X amount of days instead of going to prison in lieu of either paying a fine or, you know, sentencing time. In California, if you are a felon and you are serving over 365 days, you have, I believe it's something, and I could be wrong about this specific, but if you have served over a certain amount of time, you can actually go and fight fires in Northern California, sign up for a work release And then you get released earlier. Exactly. And you're uh, building up a very small amount of income, so when you are released, you are released into the world with, you know, X amount of dollars. Okay, but how much is that income? It's not much. It's like 50 cents to a dollar uh, per day. 50 cents to a dollar per per day. Yes, per day. But you also get approximately time and a half, time and a quarter taken off of your sentence. And then on top of that, you also end up in a situation where you're getting fed meals that are better than what you'd be fed within the prison. So instead of being, you know, sleeping inside, inside of a cell, you'd be sleeping out in the woods. You'd be camping. You know, you'd be with other people. Which is fun. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. And it's they, way better and than... granted, you know, yeah. uh, there are issues with all of this occurring, but it is a good deal for some of the people, and that's why they decide to sign up. Um, what what are the issues uh, with it occurring? Ethically, morally, um, a lot of people look at it as a sort of uh, modern-day slavery. These are people who are incarcerated. Okay. These are people who ha- haven't had their freedom. Um, you know, they don't have necessarily have a choice in the matter. Uh, a lot of them take the situation not because... They necessarily think it's the best thing for them, but they think it's the best thing for them in that particular circumstance. Now, they've done a lot to reform the programs to make it so that way, uh, you know, once you end up leaving, you can actually join the firefighter program. I have a friend uh, who went and actually did that where he okay. became a, a volunteer firefighter what was your upon friend, release. What, so he was originally in prison? Yeah, uh, for BHO manufacturing. Okay. Well, I'm um, sorry, I had to do that. Um, so I, I understand the moral issue with it because you're making – well. I, well, I think that's the word. Uh, that's the word. That's the word of this. Making. Are you really making these prisoners do this if they have a choice to do this? They. I mean, they, in theory, chose to do the wrong decision to be in prison, Certainly. and they they hopefully uh, were provided due ju- due process in the legal system, and now they're in prison and they have a choice. They can either go and fight fires and get less of a sentence, which I think is a great move, or they can live out the rest of their prison sentence. Uh, so, I, I, I mean, based on what I just said, I, it doesn't really sound that immoral because they, they do have the choice. And that's the catch-22, you know, because a lot of people who have gone through that program and have actually gone and fight fires and they've, you know, had the better living conditions, they had the better food, you know, they had the camaraderie, right. they had the job waiting for them after the fact, they would say it's one of the best uh, opportunities that was provided to me in prison. You know, I wasn't, in, I wasn't doing hard labor. Um, you know, I was fighting fires. I was actively helping society. You know, I felt as if I was doing something to contribute to the community. Um, and on top of that, I also learned a skill that I wouldn't have received in under in under any other circumstances or any other county provided programs. So, you know, as far as the prisoners go, they love it. As far as I've been told, um, you know, from friends who've gone through the program and actually so gone it, to fight fires the, after the fact. In but, the program, um, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. In the program, are, is it like woodland firefighting where they're just constant there's constantly fires and they're constantly fighting them or are they more firefighters where they're tagging along with firefighters who get called out 
Uh, well, it's definitely the former. Um, they're in the middle of the woodland fires. You know, these are actively raging fires. Like, for example, in California last year, or this year, unfortunately, thousands of homes burned down. They were up right. there actively fighting those fires. But they weren't going out by themselves. They were assisting squads. But that's okay. not to say that they weren't there on the front lines and actually, you know, camping amongst the fire as it's occurring and then being called in for their daily Is shift. Is that the same thing as when you see prisoners on the side of the road picking up trash? Are they also getting reduced prison sentences? Or so are in some they... cases, uh, and I'm sorry for interrupting, it could be uh, something similar to like a, a pre-trial diversion, which is actually something I had to do in Tallahassee where you went and picked up trash in lieu of, you know, paying okay. a fine or serving jail time. Okay. And that was just for simple marijuana possession, unfortunately. Uh, but if in this case, these are people who are actively sentenced uh, to, to federal prison. They have spent a, over a year in prison already, so they have uh, time served with on their books, and they are actively working to reduce their sentence. Okay, I mean, I, I like that a lot, and with all that being said, it still just bugs me that people are in prison for weed. Which is absolutely terrible. I mean, I think that it's one thing if you are, I mean, if you're flipping pounds and pounds and pounds of weed and with the knowledge that it is illegal, then, I mean, that is sort of fucked up. But with, like the low level drug dealers who are buying, I don't know, ounces or something who are in their early 20s or something. And it, I mean, they, they do know that it's illegal and it is a bad thing to do, but it's, it's not heroin. You know, so no, of course. So here's my question to you: Why is weed illegal? And I I know I already asked this, but like, why why is it still illegal? There's a lot of money involved. Um, you know, think about it. As far as the, uh, uh, I guess, as far as you could say, the court legal system goes, when someone is arrested, they are adjudicated, they are brought in, they are processed, they have to pay a fine to the state to get out. As far as the bail system goes, the county prison receives a percentage of that bail fee, so they're profiting right off the bat. Minus the time, of course, for the cop to go ahead and do the paperwork and process the individual. Okay. And then from there on forward, that person is uh, essentially in, uh, tied to the system in which they're going to have to go through the court proceedings. They're going to have to hire a lawyer. They're going to have to pay fees to the state. If they don't serve prison time, they're going to have to pay an additional fine for the misdemeanor or felony for whatever they're facing. And, a and a throughout all of that, the people who are actively prosecuting them are profiting as well. Not to mention the profit involved for in the event they were actually jailed, you know, from the prison industrial complex and then the police system. Whoa, wait, so, the, wait, the prison industrial complex? Yes, yeah, same thing as military industrial, revolving door, except prisoners keep the, the lights on. So except, the more prisoners you prisoners have in. keep the lights on. Yes. Oh, oh, so the more prisoners you have, the more light, okay, wow. The more money you're taking in. They see, that, that, that makes me think of cancer patients and the cure for cancer. I've heard a conspiracy where if they find the cure for cancer, they wouldn't release it because then all the doctors treating cancer would not be able to, um, w wouldn't be able to treat those cancer patients. Or like a, a, a stand up, a joke that I heard a while ago was, the companies who make rape whistles pro profit off of rape, which oh is uh, which is terrible, <laughs> which is awful and terrible. No, but I mean, it's a true analogy. You know, as terrible as that is, I mean, the entire it's not just you know that specific scenario. It's terrible. The uh, the entire revolving door is you know, and it's not just even uh, you know in because it's not a cure because uh, because it's not a cure and they're making it a lot more about money. By the way, how do I sound in your headphones? Do I sound good? Sound good. Okay, perfect. Yeah, because it it's clearly about money at that point and not about helping people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and it goes further than just the uh, incarceration of individuals, too, because there's also profit as far as the legalization and decriminalization aspect. So, for example, in Colorado, you have something called a horizontal licensing system. And in Colorado, if you uh, have a license, you can have a license to cultivate, you can have a license to uh, dispense, which means you're actually selling the product, and you can also have a license to uh, extract. So make like hashish, water hash, you know, BHO, solventless, you know, whatever you want to call it. 
Um, and the way the wor system works in Colorado is you apply for one of these licenses and each one of these license holders interact with one another to create an ecosystem in which you don't have to have, you know, millions of dollars to build out a cultivation facility, dispensary, you know, delivery services, extraction facility. Instead, you're it makes it a lot more open to mom and pop type of businesses. But the issue which with is that, great, which, which is, is always it's, great. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's how it should be. Uh, and then you have situations like here in Florida where we consciously voted in a vertical horizontal system. And this wasn't included in our constitutional amendment. This was something that was voted on by legislators after the fact. So uh, Floridians kind of slept on this, in my opinion. And there were a lot of us up in Tallahassee constantly fighting well, for it. How did this get passed, though? Uh, it, it, uh, essentially a bill. Um, I don't know exactly which one it was. but Right, it was but what right I'm saying is why, why would it get passed if there's a much better system? Oh, because uh, that way you can centralize power to, you know, I hate using the word cartel, but sort of an oligopoly where a few individuals are holding the majority of power and the entire net worth of the Florida market. So essentially, instead of, you know, mom and pop being able to go and get a license to cultivate and then them selling to a dispensary for the dispensary to sell, now mom and pop would have to, you know, come up with a couple million dollars to apply for an app to apply to the state of Florida for a license that would allow them to do everything. Is it actually a roof. couple million? Uh, that's approximately how much it is to enter the market. I mean, right now, a license in Florida wait, is valued and, and at approximately what is, $50 million. Why, wait, what? And what does that license get? Uh, what does that license give you? Uh, essentially free reign. Um, you have the ability to cultivate, dispense, um, uh, extract, deliver. Um, I mean, anything you can imagine or that you can do with medical marijuana, you have to do with under that single with you uh, do under that license. And that, are there company, by the way, is there, is there sunlight in your eyes? Do you want me to close the, the, um, uh, yeah, it'd be nice. I can close it. Yeah. Yeah. I can close this. Heck yeah. So like, are there companies that will invest in other people getting these licenses? Yes. A hundred percent. So a lot of the time what ends up happening is you get, you know, a lot of people who want to invest into a license, they'll find someone to actually put a name on the license. In the state of Florida, you actually had to have a cultivation facility or a nursery that had been uh, in business for 30 years plus. So in the event that, uh, you know, so a bunch of investors would get together. They would find someone who had a license or has been had a nursery in the state of Florida for 30 plus years. Okay. They would put their names together under a DBA, a corporation underneath, you know, the, the farm. And then that entity would go ahead and apply for the license. And when that, uh, and whether or not they were accepted, if they are accepted, all of a sudden now they have a piece of paper that says, hey, you have a license to do whatever you want with marijuana. This is worth $50 million if you were to sell it on the market. But that creates Wait, a secondary so, uh, issue. So are they paying the $50 million up front? Or are, can, That's the valuation of the license. To actually apply, I believe it was $100,000 in the state of Florida. Okay. Yeah. But, and, but okay, so that's the valuation of the license. But when you... um. When you actually have the license, do you owe the state of Florida $50 million or is no. that just how much it's valued? Oh, Once okay, you have the okay. license, you have the license. Okay, and the license costs around 100000 Yes, but that's assuming that you're lucky enough to be one of the, I think it's 13 or 14 companies now in the state of Florida that were chosen. And even that was after uh, you know a preliminary six license round another six license round. How do they get chosen? There must be a lot of lobbying for these companies. There's a ton of lobbying. And that's, you know, it goes back to the... Uh, you know, the, the for-profit aspect of this, you know, had they, uh, had the state of Florida done the right thing, in my opinion, and gone for a uh, horizontal integration system, there'd be more players, there'd be more small businesses, you know, it would be more of an ecosystem. Whereas right now it's a select few people uh, who have all of the power and authority and also control the majority of the market share. So anyone who joins the market or receives a license from here on out is now facing an uphill battle because they are dealing with a very, they're, for example, Everyone knows uh, True Leave in Florida. Yeah, it's a household, yeah, yeah, I've yeah, heard of household, household name. Household name. Uh, so, 
but anyone new entering the space has to fight against truly for market share. And uh, that in How itself, I mean, truly must have a ton of market share. Yeah. And they actually, uh, they capped out on their, tw- so in the state of Florida, you're allowed to have 20 Are they dispensaries. a public company? They are. They are? How, how, do you know how much their stock is worth? I do not. However, I know that they're on the Canadian Stock Exchange. Okay. Well, let's take a look. Yeah. 31 bucks. And it started out here. Wait, let's see. Let's see the max. Damn. Oh, ho, ho, they've been crushing it. Yeah. They're not doing too bad. Nice. Good. Yeah. I mean, good for them. Yeah, but I mean, you know, and this sort of goes back though, you know. Uh, Damn, wait. It, oh, oh, well, I'm such an idiot. I was looking at March. I was like, oh my god, they've gone. They went up. To, they were down to nine dollars, and now they're at thirty. I mean, obviously, March the stock market basically crashed. But yeah, I'm yeah. slacking a little bit on that. So what? <laughs> I'm slacking a little bit on True Leaf, um, the stock. Yeah, I mean, I've never heard of it. I, 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 not, I mean, I've heard of True Leaf stock, but I just, I've never thought about investing into them. Um, so they have a license. They have one of these licenses yes, to do this. I'm sure. And when you uh, consider, is there, though, is there a license in Florida? Yes, it is. Okay. Well, yeah, we're just specifically. This, yeah, this Florida. Florida is a specific. This is a specific Florida license. Do you know what the license is called? It's a medical marijuana treatment center license. Um, MMTC. D- is that what Fluent has? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, same sort of. Same. Are you a, are you a card holder of a uh, are you a medical marijuana card holder? I am. Nice. How much? Yeah. How much did you pay for it? I'm just curious. I think I paid around 179 dollars, and it's nice. really funny. Um, and you want to talk about um, you know, lobbying? Uh, there's a lot of you know, granted. A lot of big lobbying has a lot of uh, impact on the market. But there's also a lot of really silly things that are arbitrary and, you know. Wait, can you, can, you drink a little, can you drink a little bit of water? I can hear the the, the nuances of your tongue, like, go, like going, like. Maybe I'm too close. No, you're not. Trust me. It's, it's, it's just a good microphone. I do that all the time, and it sounds like I'm chewing on my tongue. It's like <laughs> It sounds like this. Super weird. Love By the it. way, uh, this is the first time that I'm using this specific microphone. Ooh, I know it's a real, it's really exciting. Yo, yeah, oh yeah, this is a Shure SM7B. It's so fucking, it's so nice. Oh, okay, I'm I'm sorry for taking. No, you're fine. Totally but uh, topic. no, but what I, what I believe I was trying to get at is, uh, you know, in the state of Florida, you know, there's a lot of examples of lobbying and even little silly details. So, for example, if to get a license in the state of Florida for medical marijuana, you go, you apply under, you qualify under one of ten qualifying conditions, everything from PTSD to cancer. Um, and then you have to get certified once every 100 and uh, I'm sorry, every 200. Do you, do you need a, a medical 210 con- days? Do you need a medical condition to get a card? Yes. And oh, then also you that. have to once you qualify, you have to go back once every 210 days. So and do you have to repay the hundred and something dollars? Yes, you do. Will weed ever be legal recreationally in Florida? Yes, um, but one moment with that. Uh, yeah, please. As far as the 210, day go, t- 210 days go, if you think that you have to renew twice a year, once every 210 days, you come back once every year and a half, that's every 420 days. Uh-huh. Wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and I mean, let's just say that's not by mistake. That was entirely a pun put in by the legislature to sort of poke fun at the fact that they re- awesome. recognize that there is a 420 culture in the state of Florida. And, you know, even though we are medical, they are willing to, you know, Nice. Uh, acknowledge that there is a uh, a lighter end to the spectrum. Okay, that's yeah, good. No. And by the way, for the listeners, if that pam 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 was too loud, I'm sorry. Here, I'll do another one at a better at a better volume. There we go. There, <laughs> there we go. I'm sorry. I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> so I don't have a medical marijuana license, um, but I want to get one. But I'd I'd kind of rather wait for weed to be recreationally legal in Florida. It just blows my mind that it you can literally be in Colorado and go into a shop and buy weed and have it be a hundred percent legal but in just another part of this big land 
it, it's just illegal. It's so uh, why why is it that it's still illegal in Florida? Money. So right. I mean, is, I, I feel like I've asked you that in like ten. No, different no, no. Ways, of course, I mean, it, but, unfortunately, yeah. it all goes back to money because at the right. end of the day, there right. is a right. you know, the less people that you have in the market, the more you're able to centralize the profit that comes from the industry. And the longer you can drag out medical marijuana, the easier it is for the people who have already established themselves within the medical marijuana space to move over into recreational. So, what's going to make it recreational? Like, wh- when do, when's that going to happen in Florida? Uh, or, or federally, will it happen federally? I do think it'll happen federally. Wait, Probably it, not within it, the it next ten years. It just got decriminalized so. federally. What exactly does that mean? Well, it didn't get decriminalized federally. Uh, hemp has been decriminalized federally, and okay. even that is only hemp that it contains less than 0.3 percent THC. So the essentially hemp and uh, marijuana are from the same genus; they're the same family. However, the, instead of using a genetic uh, spectrum to determine like what is hemp versus what is marijuana, they use an arbitrary percentage of THC. So if you're, if you're, how, how do they get the percentage? They test it. So they use oh. like a spectrometer. So if, for example, if you were to get pulled over, you know, the cop would take a little bit of the hemp, they'd send it to a spectrometer lab, they'd get it, the results back, then they'd contact you and say, yes, hey, this was hemp or hey, you know, this, uh, or no, this was marijuana, you need to come in, whatever the situation Do may cops be. have that on them or do they send it to a lab? All they have on them is a, uh, a sort of a... I don't know if you've ever done like a dance safe, you know, drug I, testing I or anything like that. Yeah, essentially it's just a, an acidic chemical that they put a little bit of marijuana into and it'll tell them whether or not it has THC. Oh, okay. But due to recent developments within the law within the state of Florida, police a lot of the times cannot arrest for marijuana because there's plausible deniability that it may be hemp. Obviously, it's on a case-by-case basis. If you're carrying pounds or something like that, no one's going to really give you leniency. Right. Um, but, you know, as far as a small amount goes, a lot of the time, you know, they'll test it to see whether or not it's legitimately hemp versus marijuana. Okay. Yeah. I feel like cops would be able to tell whether or not it's hemp marijuana. Well, that's or, just it. You know, nowadays, uh, due to, you know, uh, increasing cultivation practices and uh, better SOP standing operating procedures, you're able to get hemp that looks exactly the same as high-grade marijuana. You know what? I've actually seen um, CBD that looks exactly like marijuana. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I, 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 They're indistinguishable. I, oh, yeah. I've walked into stores, CBD spiritual shops in Florida, and there's just a big jar of what looks like weed. On the table, I'm like, where are we right now? What's happening? Yeah, and, and that's one of the biggest, uh, you know, issues for law enforcement, so to speak, because there's really no way for them to differentiate. And you're perfectly but within they, your but legal realm. The smell, realm. though, is, is no, the no, smell no. not different? No, the smell's not different. And uh, you know, a lot of times it has to do more with the phenotype and the individual strain that you're uh, consuming at that time, or that you have on your possession. In the case of hemp, you know, is, you're not really supposed w- to consume. W- why it. is CBD good for you? CBD or is it? It is good for you. So essentially, it acts as a neuro inhibitor and a regulator. So the best example I can give you is with someone with. Uh, you know, seizures. Uh, someone with seizures actually has an issue where within their brain there's an imbalance where it's sending a signal at improper times and it's not in a rhythm. It's uh, uh, out of sync. Out of sync. Thank you. So when you consume CBD, it actually acts as an inhibitor and makes it so that way you are in sync. So it can inhibit and prevent seizures from occurring. So essentially, you're just putting your body into a state of homeostasis. And that's not to say it's going to help with everything. It's not a cure-all, but it's great for inflammation. It's great for neurological issues. It's great for if you have a concussion. Um, and it's also great for mood in some cases, but however, that has more to do with the strain and the terpenes found, the, the smell and taste. Do you think that it. CBD companies, when weed becomes legal recreationally, do you think that CB, CBD companies will take a hit? 100%. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah, and they're already <laughs> taking a hit, um, if not only from relaxed uh, federal regulations. For a short period of time, there was a couple year period where you had to be on the, you had to know what was uh what the regulations were like. You had to know how to traverse the legal landscape. And as a result, you only had a handful of farmers who were capable and 
qualified to produce a product that was able to be shipped over state lines. Okay. Now we're entering into a phase where there are so many states legalizing and medicalizing hemp and marijuana that there are more farmers coming online. And as a result, the price of CBD products as a whole is dropping, you know. You know what that makes me think, man? I actually went to a uh, a medical a medical weed place semi-recently, and I walk in, and it's literally the complete opposite of when you walk into a dispensary in Colorado because it's very, very, like, there's a waiting room and this and that. It's, 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 it's very it's, formal. It's very formal, which is exactly how it should be. But I feel like when weed becomes recreationally legal, those places are, unless they've already built up the structure to, um, to, to be able to sell weed recreationally, then they're going to be fucked because like, exactly. like why on earth would you pay for a license and go to this crazy place then you, when you can just basically walk into like just like a liquor store but for weed and just pick it up and leave? So that's actually one of the reasons why here in the state of Florida licenses are so expensive. People are looking to get in on the ground floor as far as the medical program goes so that way when we do eventually become recreational, they are first in line to put their hand out and say, hey, we're prepared okay. for a license. Okay. And that's where a lot of that you know, um, speculation as far as value comes from because it's like you said, if you enter the market late, you're screwed. So you have to be there early or you're not going to be there at all, especially seeing how the initial licenses were rolled out here in the state of Florida. There was a lot of corruption and, you know, uh, gerrymandering and a whole bunch of not so great stuff that, uh, you know, as a result led to litigation and a whole bunch of people receiving licenses, not through merit, but through the fact that they were screwed over in the first few rounds uh, illegitimately. Wait, so they got licenses because they were screwed over in earlier rounds? Yes. So, for example, in the state of Florida, there was an arbitrary application process in which uh, essentially it was more, you could, uh, I'm trying to think of the proper word, Um, you could go ahead and apply and receive more points than someone else who applied within your region based on arbitrary um, biases. Like what? Like what what kind of arbitrary bias? So like, for example, um, there was a rounding system where you could score on a scale of zero to five for an individual uh, subsection. So let's say you had a facility and your cultivation facility was 6,000 square feet and my cultivation facility was 4,500 square feet. Um, you ran a well-based system where you put wa- where you put your wastewater back into the ground and I had a septic tank-based system. There was no metric for a septic tank-based system uh, or, uh, or I'm sorry, there was no metric on the application to score someone based on their uh, recycling or uh, for their wastewater disposal Uh, applications and methodologies so the scorer could say oh well i like the fact that you know levi's is a little bit bigger and has uh you know he's putting it back into the ground i think that the water should go back to the earth whatever you know whatever bs situation that they you know justify and give you a higher score based on uh a qualification that wasn't listed within the application Oh, so it's not that the septic it's not that the septic tank wasn't listed in the application it's that the way that you deal with wastewater wasn't in the application. Correct. And due to that difference in the way that you and I uh, handle our wastewater, the person who's grading our application can assign arbitrary points. That that should be in the application, though. Oh, 100%. So it makes sense, and it doesn't sound very arbitrary if they're, get, if they're getting more points for doing something in a more green way. No, 100%. But the issue is, is when you don't have these, uh, you know, requirements predefined. And yeah, as far as, you know, 
uh, a septic tank would be worth more points than someone who's putting their wastewater back. Wait, into why the ground. would it be worth more points? If uh, isn't it better to put water back into the ground? No, funny enough, in the state of Florida, they say that that's a negative thing because uh, they are scared that people and. I'm not, you know, this sounds crazy, but they're worried that people are going to take the wastewater as it's being put back into the ground, siphon out the THC, extract it, and then sell that THC on the market as the justification. Is that possible? Um, yes. However, I don't know if that would necessarily be worth the time and effort. Yeah, that would be very intense. I feel like it would be a lot easier to just go buy uh, some weed. Go buy some weed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unless the profit margins are astronomical. No, I, I don't think that that would be a great move at all. Absolutely not. But, you know, th- but it's those it sounds like a, It sounds like the world, world's most... Um, are, nah, not, nah, damn, I had lost my... It's like the, the world's most ridiculous science project ever. And ridiculous isn't the word that I'm looking for. Um, what's it called when you do something for... Uh, that That's really, really hard for, like, almost no benefit? I don't know if it's the uh, right word, but redundant. Right it's now. not not redundant. I don't know. I honestly don't. I honestly don't know the word. That no, but for. in the state of Florida, um, to remedy that, there ended up being lawsuits um, that said, in the event, listen, uh, we do not think that the grading application was valid. As a result, we're going to throw the entire grading application out, oh. and we are going to grade our own application. Okay. Now I like here's the that. catch, though. Um, when you grade your own application, you have the opportunity to say, oh, well, you know, this was better here than I thought it was. Then they graded here, you know, and then a judge goes through and, of course, verifies whether or not, you know, uh, your interpretation of the application process was valid. And at a lot of the times, the judge doesn't have anything to, to say that there is no basis. So as a result, if you go through the processes and sue, which can take a couple of years, yep. you'll get your license. So a majority of the license holders that we see today didn't actually get it from being approved by the state of Florida. They got it through litigation. Oh, how long does the litigation take? About a year and a half to two years, I would say. And how much in court costs? Oh, geez, hundreds of thousands. Yeah, I can imagine. Oh, yeah. And those are all uh, marijuana attorneys. Yes. Uh, that and uh, I would say like antitrust attorneys, you know, people who have Wait, why antitrust? Large, uh, just people antitrust? who have, uh, you know, good connections within the state of Florida on a federal level, you know, just powerhouses who know how to not give in or back down because, I mean, realistically, the last thing the state of Florida wants to do is hand out a $50 million license to someone who, you know, uh, wasn't prepared to fight for it. Where, wh- wh- when you get a license... Where are you growing it if it's in Florida? Just somewhere in the middle of the Everglades? Or well, I feel like here's the thing. There is no, uh, yeah, and there really is no uh, requirement as far as where or when you can grow it. Like, for example, when the f- uh, state first allowed licenses, someone grew 50 acres of marijuana out in, uh, out in not necessarily the swamp, but like in Ruskin, Florida, okay. um, you know, on the West Coast and a little bit more of a rural region, a farm region. And they ended up dealing with mold, uh, bud rot. So essentially the buds got so big from 24, you know, from, uh, you know, 16 hours of light or whatever it is here in the state of Florida that the bud actually ended up rotting from inside out and they ruined like a $5 million crop. Oh my so god! there was a lot of trial and error when things first started out, but that's, now it, that's you know, terrible. Yeah. But now it's all indoor. It's all warehouse. It's all climate controlled. That I mean, really surprised me because if you have the means to make a $5 million crop, then you should probably know that the sunlight can mess it up. Yeah, and not to that mention that seems like uh, a really simple yeah, not, thing. Yeah, not to mention you know mites and everything else that you're dealing with as far as insects and uh, yeah, you know. Well, uh, what are some common insurance? problems that a weed um, crop? What, what's it called? A weed uh, what, under a gigantic tent when it's all when a there's grow? a yeah sure a grow facility? up yeah. a, a cultivation <laughs> facility sure. What are some common problems that they face? So I mean, realistically, a lot of the time it's just cleanliness. You know, uh, stick, keeping up with your SOP. So, for example, I mean, wait, one, remind remind me what an SOP is. Standard operating procedure. God, I'm so I, I'm pee popping so much. Puh, puh, puh. Puh. Yeah, uh, does, Levi, please stop pee popping. There we go. That's so much P-popping. better. 
Okay. So yeah, podcast lingo. So what what are some common issues that they face? Term- so realistically, termites? it's just uh, yeah, you've you've worked on before, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. It's more like mold, mites, you know, things of that nature. Cleanliness. So for example, a lot of the times here in the state of Florida, when you enter a cultivation facility, you go through like a a pressurized air room where you enter into a room that has a higher pressure air than the outside. And that's meant to expel all the bugs, all the mold, all the, you know, not so great things that you don't want getting into your cultivation okay. facility. So, uh, and then also when you leave a lot of the time, you know, you're forced to take a shower, you know, you're going back out into the world. So you what are you wearing anything. while you're in there? Uh, you're wearing, well, it depends. So in some uh, places you just have a little badge and then you're wearing your civilian clothes, oh, okay. but facilities that take it a little bit more seriously, you're wearing essentially like a lab suit, you know, think like a, like a hazmat suit, think hazmat without the face hazmat without the face without the face mask. why no face i just don't think this is necessary oh okay yeah yeah because really realistically like if your hair is covered you know if everything's covered except for your facial features yeah. there's not really much opportunity for bugs or mold to you know enter into the facility yeah because the issue is is once you uh have an issue within your cultivation facility it's hard to get it out so once you have mold the entire room's gonna have mold you have mites the entire room could have mites and a lot of the time you actually separate the individual cultivation sites so that way if one room were to come down with a contamination there's less of a chance that it would get it and you can treat that specific room okay Uh, how how much uh like how how big is the average cultivation room i mean it really depends so like uh you know we were a facility yeah so we were doing like 800 square foot um you know units and then uh, uh, shipping like how long how long does it take to go from planting the seeds to sending it to whoever about 16 to 19 weeks depending you know you have around six to eight weeks worth and of veg ha- and, and then six to nine wait. weeks worth of flour so of ve- ed- of, oh, veg of vegetative state so you uh, have a 12 by 12 hour uh you essentially leave the lights on for 24 hours so that way the plant takes in as much light as it can essentially as much nutrient and sustenance as possible so that way it grows as large as possible and then after about six weeks, the plant reaches such a height that it's able to reach a state of maturity that you change the light structure from a 24-hour lights-on period to 12 hours on, 12 hours off. So you have the lights on for 12 hours, and lights when, off for 12 when hours. And when the lights are off, is it in pitch black darkness? Yes. And actually, if you turn on the lights during, like, let's say six hours into your 12-hour lights-off period, you can shock your plants, and that can cause them to hermaphrodite. You know, they uh, they grow essentially male um, sex organs and start to produce seeds. Why does that happen? Because they're stressed out. Because they think all of a sudden, oh, something's occurring that's outside of our normal life cycle, so it has to be detrimental. So we're gonna oh. we're gonna stress ourselves out. Oh, and even if it's just for a second, you flip e- on and off. Even the if it's just for a second. So a lot of the times, people wow. Have, ju- think about how much money could be lost by just flicking on and off the lights. Oh yeah, I mean, and granted, you know, it happens Wait, once dude, or remember twice. Remember that? Remember that scene from SpongeBob? Nosferatu, and Nosferatu is turning on and off the lights. The hash <laughs> slinging slasher. <laughs> yeah, that's a classic. Oh, such a good one. Bruh, hash I mean, bringing. Mash singing, hash slinging slasher. <laughs> That's such a good one. <laughs> Got the guy with a little spatula in his hand. You know that the people who are writing the SpongeBob clips were smoking weed. I mean, oh, on. I can't imagine. Yeah, are you kidding me? Like, there's just it's just so funny. Like, how do you come up with that? Oh, stuff? And the, I mean, the original SpongeBob is such a masterpiece. You know? So I mean, good. It, it, Wait, remember the Weenie Hut Junior episode? Oh, of heard? course, uh, dude. My, one of my favorite lines. Eat a bowl of nails, dude. One of my favorite lines from all of SpongeBob was when they're in Weenie Hut Generals talking to the robot bartender and Patrick asks the robot bartender like some deep question and the robot bartender gives him an answer and then <laughs> Patrick asks, asks like a follow-up question and the robot bartender's like, I am a robot, not a miracle worker. Oh my God. <laughs> Dude, it's so funny. <laughs> Bro. Yeah. Can you grow weed underwater? 
Is that possible? You know, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, there are hydroponic systems in which they are water-based, but that's not growing in water. So, well, yeah, would, what, what does that look like? Um, essentially, think uh, a, a giant bathtub as far as water goes. You know, you have a, a silo that you store the water in, and okay. then there's a series of tubes that run through the bottom of the pots of each individual plant, and it floods the plant with water. So that way, you know, it floats to the side. I would the imagine that would be so expensive to do. Oh, yeah, definitely. So then why would you do it? Just for ease of access. You know, it's uh, an easy way to maintain such uh, that large of an amount of plant. Ideally, you're not doing it for a handful. You're doing it for a couple hundred or a couple thousand. And it's just right. a way to make sure that everything is receiving the same uh, the same amount of nutrients, same amount of sustenance. They're all receiving the same amount of care and attention. So it's really just a way to automate the system. Okay, yeah. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. So if you have a gigantic crop, a huge cultivation facility... Are you, st is there still any, and a license and all of that great stuff, is there still any worry of messing up? Like what, when it comes to l the legal aspects of all of this? Um, you know, the legal aspects, if you've gone that far in most states, I would say that there's a decreased risk as far as, uh, please take a sip of water. There you go. Yeah. I would say there's a decrease, decreased risk. Because, I mean, the reason that I ask this is because I remember that when the, uh, God, I feel like my voice is just not where I want it to be, but whatever. I mean, in post, I'll, fig I'll figure this out. Um, I, the reason that I ask that is because I remember back when Colorado was allowing people to, or maybe, or no, sorry, California, was allowing people to uh, sell weed medically or something. This is back in the maybe late 2000s, early 2010s, and federal agents would come in and basically take them out and take take all of their supply and things like that. Is there any possibility that something like that could happen if you have a license worth $50 million? Anything is possible. However, if you've gotten to the point of actually obtaining the license, that means that you have a system in place that the state of Florida has approved as being, you know, as close to a uh, a foolproof as possible. <laughs> and as a result, right, uh, right. you know, you wouldn't, uh, I would say that the chances of that occurring are very small, but again, anything is possible because at that point, you know, in the state of Florida, you have to have two security guards on site for 24 hours, 24 hours a day, um, for five days out of the week or something arbitrary like that. Um, you have to have, uh, you know, the fact that that is arbitrary is scary because I feel like one security guard, no matter how big and jacked he is, no matter how many guns he has, he can be overtaken. So hundred oh, percent. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> That is scary, and, it, you know, people are probably very likely to, uh, I mean, people have, just the human race has a propensity to get what it wants, it, no matter how, no matter the, no matter the means. Oh, yeah. So if I was one security guy just in charge of $5 million of plants. I'd be a little nervous. I'd be a lot nervous. I would not <laughs> accept that job. That is terrifying. Fair. Yeah, no, you see, but the thing is, is there's so many you, um, safeguards built in that, you know, the odds, of, I would say the odds of you doing something illegal are a lot less likely than you doing something to screw up the crop. So what, you know, okay, if you owned one of these cultivation facilities, how would you protect it? Insurance. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Just, I mean, what about secure, safety wise, security wise? Oh, I mean... Uh, you know, it's actually insane. Go, guns. You, My answer is guns. Well, I mean, you know, yeah. guns, of course, you know, a lot of times yeah. you're hiring out security and, and insurance and, yeah. no, insur and, and insurance. insurance. Um, yeah. You have, uh, you essentially have pass keys um, or key fobs that, right. get, that allow you to enter into the facility. Every time a visitor comes in, they have to go and get their picture taken. They have a badge printed out. Okay. And, you know, these are all required by the state of Florida. So there are processes in place to prevent 
um, you know, bad actors coming in and, you know, right. take, taking over your crop. But that's not to say that, you know, I mean, listen, people rob banks, you know, so that's it's, true. It's, it's, like you said, if someone is determined enough who, to do something, um, they're going to do it. I have a buddy who was addicted to fentanyl and he robbed like seven or eight banks and got caught. It's almost impressive. I mean, yeah, he was he was called the the something bandit. Uh, oh I, I, I don't remember exactly what it's called, or no, the, maybe the costumed bandit because he was always wearing a different costume when he did it. And yeah, he got caught and he got put in jail. I, I don't know if he's out of jail yet, but uh, there were literally videos of him, you know, handing the note to the teller in a costume. In a costume. <laughs> well, I, the the only one that I remember is he was wearing scrubs. I don't even know where he got scrubs. I was hoping he was going to say like Hamburglar or something. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was in a spaceman costume. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, I want to pivot a little bit. Yeah. Um, and this might sound like a, a silly question, but I just really don't know what the answer to this Bananas. is. What is Antifa? Like what, like what is that? So, um, you know, the easiest answer is, uh, it's a group of people who identify as anti-fascist. So they okay. are against anything that, uh, would create a fascist atmosphere or influence our politics in a way that would be considered for that individual person as fascist. The issue in this, however, is the fact that there is no one sole definition as as to what fascism is, what actions constitute, what what actions are fascist versus which actions are anti-fascist. So there's a wide spectrum of beliefs that incorporates a large group of people. So there are a lot of people who identify as anti-fascist, even though the individuals may not agree on what actions are fascist versus what is not. What do they, they just, think is fascist? It's not, you see, it's not that easy though, because if you were to ask one person versus another, uh, like wait, for example, wait, wait, one person uh, may say, Say, you know, Wait, but hold on. You're, you're saying you're saying ask one person versus another, but I, I feel like I just want to clarify that both of these people you would be in in Antifa is what you're saying here. Well, Antifa isn't a club per se; it's a, a label. So it is someone who is anti-fascist. There are groups that act as decentralized cells. So, for example, there is no national group that you could go to and say, "Hey, I want to join Antifa on a national level." But don't They're, they have a website? They do have websites, but again, that's an individual cell, and the goals of that particular organization may not correlate with the goals of a secondary Antifa-based organization. Because again, it's more the label of being anti-fascist than it is, we are Antifa. Okay, I, I just Googled um, Antifa website. Nothing really good came up. There's just a bunch of articles about Yeah, if you go to Antifa.com, Antifa. it actually takes you to Joe Biden, I believe. No website. way. Yeah, it released Antifa. a bit for a short period of time. Antifa.com. Wow. Look at that. Joe Biden... For all Americas. Presidency for all Americans. Who is this lady? She looks familiar. I don't know, but I like her uh, picture frame. Yeah, I like, I like her picture frame, too. See, that's a nice picture frame. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And uh, it's funny enough, if you Google a German anti-fascist. Just Google it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anti-F-A-S-C-H-I-T, I think. This. There you go. So the anti-fascists were actually uh, founded in the early 1900s to fight back against Hitler and uh, the Nazi Germans. So a lot of oh, people wait, identify... Here, here. Let me read this. Yeah. Um, Antifascistische Aktion. This was a militant anti-fascist organization in the Weimar Republic started by members of the Communist Party of Germany that existed from 1932 to 1933. It was primarily active as, the, as a KPD campaign during the 1932 German federal elections and was described by the KPD as a red united front under the leadership of the only anti-fascist party, the KPD. So what do you know about this stuff? 
You know, not as much as I would like, admittedly. But that being said, <clears throat> I do know enough to have a basis in reality as far as how the groups operate, you know, the way okay. that they interact nationally and on a state-based level. And I also know enough to be to, to not say that they all fit under a single label. And that's sort of the issue, you know, um, in my opinion, is because anyone can identify as anti-fascist. They feel as if they are part of a greater collective, even though their values may not be correlated or... Uh, uh, reciprocated. Well, they're given the a lot of negative attention by the media, and it, it, what it seems like is that they're giving a, that they're given a lot of negative attention for good reason. Like they start a lot of violence. Certainly, and the thing is, though, is that not everyone who identifies as antifa are you, know, you antifa. I am not antifa. Um, I do not believe in labels to that extent. Now, granted, I am against fascism. I, 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 too am, I am against, against you know um, put, putting your will against other people in a way that negatively impacts their What exactly their is fascism? Can we look up the definition of that? Sure, let's do it. I'm down. Fasci I'm definitely going to start it wrong. Fa fascism. Um, okay, Jesus. The, the mic is like sort of, if I can reach it. Um, all right, fascism. <laughs> fascism is a form of far-right authoritarian unitar authoritarian ultra-nationalism Characterized by dictator, uh, sorry, I literally cannot read today. Uh, this font is just so small. There we go. Okay, I'm going to start over. Sorry, everyone. Fascism is a form of far right authoritarian ultra nationalism characterized by dictatorial power, forcible suppression of opposition, and strong regimentation of society and of the economy, which came to prominence in the early 19th century Europe. Okay. So it's basically a dictator who says that everything that he does is correct and everything that everyone else does is wrong. And we're gonna make and we're gonna make sure that they're um suffering the consequences. And to take it a step further, it's not even well, so much a, a particular dictator um going out of their way to impose their will upon the people, but anyone who believes that their viewpoints and their moral beliefs are of such high regard that everyone should should adhere to the same set of principles. Okay. That is that that of I mean, a lot of people and is that, a form of and that I, I am against because I I think that there should be I mean there's a reason that there's checks and balances in the government. I think that there should always be two sides and coming together for um meeting somewhere in the middle. I, I always feel like that is going to yield the best type of results. So if there's just one person claiming that he is absolutely correct in everything that he possibly does, well, then there's no checks and balances. And that is a huge issue. See, and that's actually one of my greatest issues with Antifa, not necessarily because I'm against people being anti-fascist, but because there comes a point when you reach an extremity on the end of the spectrum that all of a sudden you are becoming the same fascist that you are fighting against because you believe that your morals and beliefs wow. are to such a point wow. that yeah. other people need to adhere to the same set of morals that you personally abide by. But that gets a little yeah, muddy. Yeah, because that's like exactly what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> yeah. 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 Damn. Um, I remember during the uh, BLM protests, there were always videos of people yelling, Antifa, Antifa, Antifa. And it would be people dressed in all black, hammering a sidewalk or something, just causing issues. Or uh, Do you remember all those crazy uh, blocks of bricks? You know, by, by oh, way, yeah, of dude, course. Blocks of bricks? That's a cool band name. Pallets? Pallets of bricks, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Pallets of bricks, yeah. Yeah, no, I certainly do. And, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, were very keen uh on the uh, their awareness was very heightened when it came to these piles of bricks because a lot of the times what ends up happening is these groups are looking for trouble so when they come across a pallet of bricks it's not 
oh, who put this pallet of bricks here? What is their intention for it's me? It's like, do they, yes, do they want a me? pallet? Exactly. It's like, it's not, it's not, do they want me to cause how trouble? Are there it's, no let's videos? do it. How, how are there no videos of the pallets getting there? There are a few. Um, there are, yeah, there are a few. Do of, we know uh, who put it there? Sometimes. Do they get prosecuted? In, sometimes it's people in trucks. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, and granted, I don't want to say definitively, but there is one video of a, a sort of military sort of vehicle bringing, no. yeah, bringing in these pallets of bricks. Whoa, and that's it, it was near that's the, some uh, conspiracy stuff. No, hey, it's a very powerful word. Um, conspiracy, but you yeah, know, you is. actually see these pallets of bricks get dropped off near the FBI center in uh, Houston, Texas, and you kind of have to. And if you've never seen the building, it's entirely made out of glass. It's all windows. But so I know, of, but it's just hard to jump straight. Like it's it, you can't really jump to the conclusion that those that that. Sorry, I literally cannot talk today. You can't just jump to the conclusion that they are the ones putting those pallets there just because they're getting them. Uh, that's like for that, all I know, they're taking them away. But well, that's not yeah, to say yeah, that there's yeah. not for, a for video. All I know, you know. Th- yeah, for all I know, they're using them for different reasons. But jumping to such a conclusion, that's like this, that's the same thing as jumping to the conclusion of aliens just because you don't know what's in the sky. Like, it could be anything. You know Certainly. what I mean? Like, like why does it have to be a fucking alien from Pluto? Like, just because why can't it be from Venus? You know? Yeah, exactly. Or why can't it be some asshole with like? A crazy rigged up, um, what, what are those things called that you play with? And, drone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, someone with a crazy rigged up drone with radar blocking technology or something. How do we know it's, it's not like, the U.S. military testing some sort of uh, you know uh, craft that we haven't experienced? Exactly. Exactly. To, you know? I feel like people are so quick to jump to that the fact that oh, it's definitely an alien because you know it's fun to talk about, but it's just like. Dude, it could be so many different things. Like, why does it have to be this one thing? Well, what's really interesting, too, lately is uh, it seems as if the world's governments are trying to prepare us for some form of an imminent disclosure. Why do you say that? Wait, an imminent disclosure? Yeah, like, here, really quick, if you Google... Um, oh, wait, wait, an imminent disclosure? Yeah, disclosure is uh, the revealing of the existence of either extraterrestrial entities, extraterrestrial intelligence, and or the capabilities that are described in, uh, you know, uh, in popular culture as being obtainable through, like... Um, interdimensional craft, you know, being able to fly above the space. Well, why do you why do you say that? Why, like, how is the government? Do you want me to Google something? You yeah, said yeah, yeah. You, so yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, if you Google Israel, whoa, uh, Federation of Planets, Israel Federation of Planets, Galactic Federation. So an Israeli space chief actually came out about two weeks ago and said that Donald Trump had been contacted by UFOs uh, and extraterrestrial what? intelligence and wanted what? Trump. Yes, and I, I shit you not, you can Google this. Um, wanted him to I believe the gentleman's name was Bibi. Um, you know, it's a nickname for him. He wanted uh, the in the yeah yeah extra- Bibi. I believe is their prime minister. Yes, and the extraterrestrial entities actually wanted him to disclose the existence of UFOs and alien life to the American people. Wait, how does Bibi know this? Apparently, he's been in contact with them. And he's what? a uh, yeah, and he's a uh, he's world renowned. Okay, he's wait, hold on. Let me read this. Let me read this. Galactic Federation is trending, and it's not all because of Star Trek. Ugh, such a terrible title <laughs> for this. According to former Israeli space security chief Chaim Eshed, Israel and the U.S. have secretly been contacting a real Galactic Federation for years. And by the way, this article was written on December eighth, two thousand twenty, and it's by Darius Adazeh. And there are Forbes articles, Business Insider articles, um, you know, CNN did some. Okay, yeah, yeah, because this is... This this is a little bit more of a tabloid-based website, but nonetheless. This is on ScreenRant.com. Let's do NBC News, third link. NBC News? Okay, yeah, that's... (laughs) We were on (laughs) ScreenRant.com. My God. Hey, I mean, they're on point here. Here we go. Former Israeli space security chief says extraterrestrials exist and Trump knows about it. 
a galactic, I'm, I'm in quotes here, in quotes. A, a quote, galactic federation, unquote, has been, has been waiting for humans to, quote, reach a stage where we will understand what space and spaceships are, Chaim Ashed said. Okay. It's insane. So oh, this was also written on December 8, 2020. And it's by Adela Su- Suleiman and Paul, Paul Goldman. Goldman. Whoa, Suleiman is a crazy name. That is a pretty crazy That's name. a really Suleiman. I feel like that would be a great name if you had a snake. <gasps> Suleiman the snake. You got to tell her. All right. So a former Israeli space security chief has sent eyebrows shooting heavenward. Wow. The imagery in that by saying that Earthlings have been in contact with extraterrestrials from a galactic federation. Dude, I'm going to start using the word Earthlings way more instead of human beings. Definitely a good choice of words there. That's a, this is a great sentence. Wait, I want to just read this again for the fun of the sentence. A former Israeli space security chief has sent eyebrows shooting heavenward by saying that Earthlings have been in contact with extraterrestrials from a galactic federation. Dude, that is a bold sentence. No, that, I know. That that might be the greatest sentence that these t- I mean that this person has ever come up with. Okay. The unidentified flying objects have not been sorry. The the unidentified flying objects have asked to not publish. Wait, sorry. I literally cannot read today. I'm honestly getting annoyed at myself that I cannot read. Okay. The un, the unidentified fuck the unidentified flying <laughs> objects have not a- have asked not to publish that they are here. Humanity is not ready yet. Chaim Ashed, the former head of Israel's Defense Ministry Space Directorate, told Israel's Yediat Aharonot newspaper. The interview in Hebrew ran on Friday and gained traction after parts were published in English by the Jerusalem Post on Tuesday. Jesus Christ, are we going to be attacked by a galactic federation of of aliens? To be fair, uh, he goes on to say that the, that the aliens want us to join the galactic federation I'm down. in, in I'm the in. pursuit of peace. Oh yeah, 100%. Let's Me go. too. I mean, definitely better than the inverse, you know, us, us being enemies what, getting of the galactic probed? federation. Yeah, no, exactly. We don't want to be a, you know, we don't want to be probed. I don't want to be probed. But what's insane is that it almost feels as if this is there's a slow walk of disclosure of extraterrestrial life, if not even for the sake that it actually exists. I mean, but we ha- we I don't think that we have like there I feel like there's a threshold that we have not even really approached yet and that threshold is where there's actually some contact because it's one thing to be like oh look an unidentified flying object in the air um and we have no idea what it could possibly be that that's one thing and that is eye popping eye catching and it shoots my eyebrows heavenward heavenward heavenward, as an as an as a mortal earthling certainly yeah so that's one thing another thing is Guys, we have an alien. Check this out, and not, it's like, and it's like a picture of an alien. Not only is it a picture of an alien, it's there's an entire galactic federation of yeah. multiple species of aliens. It's and, like an and, alien and, just talking, speaking. In, wait, can we speak an alien? And they it, want you like, to yeah, join. Let's, Levi. let's speak in alien talk. <laughs> Boobs. Yeah, you know, <laughs> crazy shit. What I got? <laughs> no, but you know what? What's crazy here though is you know a lot of the times you have to kind of ask yourself, uh, you know, 
are we being primed with this specific sort of information so that way when some sort of cataclysmic event occurs or, you know, when aliens land on the White House lawn that we're uh, primed to say, oh, yeah, this is, is the Intergalactic Federation that we've been told about. I just hope that they're super chill. You know, I'd like to believe that they're chill. Otherwise, uh, I'd you know, probably like get a lot more We didn't do pros. anything to, to make them upset. Well, what's insane is if you actually look, there's a history of uh, military-based reports in which when we were conducting nuclear uh, bomb testing and otherwise, that UFOs allegedly came and interfered and shut off the capability for people to conduct those tests at that time. And a lot of people say, and as well as uh, Ished um, goes on to say that, you know, they are upset that we are testing these nuclear capabilities and that uh, it's actually, uh, uh, we're at risk of ruining our own planet. And unless we move past our need for war and violence and move into a society in which we exist as one species, not divided by race, color, country, then we are forever going to be uh, stuck here on Earth. And it's interesting because that actually echoes the sentiment of, for example, um, the six uh, astronauts ever walk on the moon, Edgar Mitchell. And you know, Wait, there's only been six people to walk on the no, moon? No, he was the sixth. Oh, he, oh, he was the sixth. He was the sixth. Okay, okay. And he's been saying, I mean, he passed away a couple of years ago, unfortunately, but he went as far as to meet with Obama um, as far as us joining the Galactic Federation. And this is someone who actually went to the moon, who claims that he uh, spoke with extraterrestrial intelligence while on the moon, went on to find uh, an institute, um, the Noetic Institute of Sciences, to study zero-point energy, um, you know, a space flight travel, you know, getting past the speed of light, uh, investing into quantum research. And he received billions of dollars in investments to pursue these sciences. Wait, simply wait, wait. Based on what, what's this guy's name? Edgar Mitchell III. Great name. Yeah, great name. Great guy. But, um, you know, so for someone who's been following these stories, it almost feels larger than life because these are people who've been saying this and have risked their lives, careers, and reputations to say, yes, I believe that these uh, entities exist. And now they're being corroborated by not only uh, federal governments and, uh, you know, researchers, but also disclosures. There was a picture of a UFO released um, from the Pentagon a couple weeks ago. I mean, I mean, but a UFO is just an un unidentified flying object. Of it, course. It doesn't mean that it's an alien. Yes. As a matter of fact, they don't even use the word UFO. They use UAP, unidentified aerial phenomena. Oh, oh. that's yeah. a really cool. I, I like that a lot more. I mean, you know, it's not bad. Wait, wait, wait a minute. That's a, that, that's a UFAP. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Ew. <laughs> that's kind of gross. Oh, but here, like if you go on a WikiLeaks real quick, uh, pull up WikiLeaks. Sheesh. Yeah, we're getting, we're getting right into the conspiracy theory here. I'm down, dude. WikiLeaks. All right, I'm on. I go to search. Yep. Edgar Mitchell. Edgar Mitchell. Two L's. Yeah, yeah. I'm so familiar with it. I'm sorry. Edgar Mitchell. Scroll down. There's, oh, which one should I? Email from John Podesta. Uh, let's do uh, the fourth one. Apollo astronaut Edgar Mitchell's request for meeting to discuss disclosure. So this is Edgar how Mitchell. Are these, how are these available? Uh, so essentially uh, someone leaked WikiLeaks, a, uh, a trove of information and documents. I, like, and I've case, heard of WikiLeaks, but I don't know exactly what it is. Like, wh What is WikiLeaks? WikiLeaks is essentially a whistleblower movement in okay. which a group of reporters came across a uh, caches of information and declassified documents. How did they get the information? I don't want to get too far into it, but essentially uh, government actors who were discontented with their government or the way that things were being handled just no. decided to say hey what? i have access to this information so i'm going to go ahead and release it to an entity so that way they can release it and i will not have any liability on me you know what, man honestly you're inspiring me because as a podcaster i should be able to like 
just like, I should know this stuff. No, no, of course not. What are you talking about? Well, no, what I'm saying is that you're inspiring me to like dive into this. Oh, well, thank you. I'm into it. No, so, I sounds that. sick. Yeah. And I mean, if you go through this email, so uh, essentially okay, wait, it, so, it so wasn't that email. it here's wasn't. Yeah. All right. So subject it's in response to, uh, uh, to another email which with the subject Apollo astronaut, Dr. Edgar Mitchell's request for meeting to discuss disclosure. Dear Aaron, Dr. Mitchell is available for a meeting with John Podesta the week of August 11th, but will not be able to come to D.C. He would like to meet to attend the meeting, and then we patch him in via Skype. Thanks for getting back to me on this with a date and time. My phone is this. Oh, my God. She's definitely changed the phone number. Yeah. Yeah. Regards, Rebecca. Rebecca Hardcastle Wright, PhD. Um, and it links to some of Edgar Mitchell's, uh, you know, exoconsciousness groups, uh, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. What's exoconsciousness? So exoconsciousness. So think of consciousness as the uh, collective force that connects all sentient human being or sentient beings in the universe to be able to communicate on a uh, same similar frequency. So like you and me right that's now. That's consciousness. Yes, that's consciousness. Exoconsciousness is everything that exists outside of that scope of uh, like what? Like what exists outside of the scope of? The well, in Edgar Mitchell's opinion, it wasn't so much that we were in contact with physical entities. It's that we were in contact with extraterrestrial intelligence. So his whole theory is that the uh, these entities exist in a realm outside of which we are capable of processing, except for on a neurological, uh, neural pathway, telepathy sort of So the, in theory, they could be around us all the time and we just don't notice. 100%. Whoa. Yeah. So the extra-consciousness is everything that exists outside of our scope of consciousness. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, okay, I, I actually just... Very, very broad. There isn't one specific definition. So it's everything that exists outside of our scope of consciousness. So the things that we can't really perceive. It, does that include... So you know how dogs have better hearing than us? Uh, does that include the things that dogs can hear that we can't? I mean, that is outside. Oh, I'm sure it would, yeah. And I mean, yeah. there are lobsters that can see, I think, like 120 more spectrums of uh, colors than we can. So oh, really? I mean, yeah, so there are... The entire, lobsters can yes. see different colors yes, than us? 100%. Yeah, another thing to Google sometime. But, uh, you know, it's it's just there are so many things that are outside of our spectrum of understanding and capability of processing that there are entire spectrums of our world that we're not even aware of. Right. Um, and that's not to say... Is that, that what we, the third eye is? I wouldn't say it's necessarily... I mean, it could be. Yeah, 100%. It's just sort of a sense of intuition, but I don't know if we personally have developed our third eye enough to the extent that it, we can utilize it the way in which... Your third eye is just your pituitary, your pituitary yeah, yeah. gland, right? Yeah, 100%. Okay. Yeah. Your exo-consciousness. Oh, oh this, this changed it to eco-consciousness. Wait, search instead for exo-consciousness. Exo-consciousness, your 21st century mind invites readers to advance their... Oh, this is a book. Um, oh, it's all Rebecca Hardcastle Wright. That's exactly who we were just reading. Yeah, okay, uh, let me use the bathroom real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll pause the pod. Give me one sec. Um, while you're at it, look up a pan. No, no, keep, yeah, wait, 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 keep doing that. Yeah, yeah, we're back. Hold on. Okay, wait, just, just keep doing that. ASMR. Okay, stop. This ASMR moment has been brought to you by Jared Mambus and a water bottle. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> wait, what kind of water bottle is that? <laughs> Zephyr Hills. This ASMR moment. Wait, am I am I super loud right now? I don't think so. This ASMR moment was brought to you by this wa- this is Zephyr Hills water bottle. <laughs> Have you ever heard ASMR? I've, I've never heard it before. I've but, heard a few ASMRs. What what kind of AS? I, see, I didn't. I thought that ASMR was only people talking to you. It Mostly was, like a you know like a Shiba uh, dogs. Like Shiba San. Yeah, like eating. Shiba-san's good. Exactly. I've, I've seen him That before. but closer to the water bottle. Wait a minute. 
Huh? The sound. So it's like Tech House, but made by water bottles? I don't think you're right there. But that sounds awesome. No, uh, quite literally a, a, a Shiba Inu eating. A Shiba? Wait, wait. What's a Shiba? A Shiba Inu? A Shiba Inu? A dog. Dude, Shiba Inu was my nickname in high school. Hold on. I could be getting the breed wrong, but I don't think so. Oh, wait. Shiba Inu? Yeah. Shiba Inu for sale. Beautiful. Go to, let's go to YouTube real quick. Oh, you want to go to YouTube? I'm, yeah, let's go to YouTube. I, I love going to YouTube. I can't wait for this show to like have the video component. And yeah, I, yeah, I was looking up how to play Help on the Way and Slipknot a guitar lesson. Hey, man. You got to get it. That's true. Wait, wait. Shiba Inu? Yeah, eating. Shiba. ASMR. Okay, wait. Shiba, wait, hold and granted, keep in mind some, something uh, no, 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 sent no. to me. I would never. Here, wait. You know what? I'm up. actually going to look this up on my phone because my phone is connected to this thing so we can actually like hear it. Perfect. Shiba Inu eating? Yes. Shiba Inu eating. All right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, person. Thank you, Carlos Zakers, whoever you are. Shiba Inu eating ASMR? Yeah. <laughs> okay. My dog eating. Oh, is it a dog? Is it a type of dog? Yeah. Okay. This is a this is an advertisement, but I'm not saying what it's for because I'm not getting paid by them. You know, like people's professions are to make commercial, like sound for commercials. All right, this is my dog eating popcorn for two minutes straight ASMR. We're not gonna do the full two minutes. Uh, dude, this is n nuts. Told you it was closer to the water bottle. All right. What? That is so crazy. Yeah, they have a watermelon whipped cream. Hold on, wait, wait, okay. I'm just gonna shut up for a second so we can enjoy. Some, <laughs> so we can enjoy some Shiba Inu some, some, ASMR. Some Shiba. Okay, we're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna do like 15 seconds of just ASMR. Okay, 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 okay. So, oh, oh uh, what, what am I doing? Up. Like, what am I doing right now? Like, what what was the last, like, six seconds of me talking? How do you I, think I felt I, watching I was literally, my, original, or my original experience what? with ASMR? She beat you know, ASMR. No, but... That's uh, what, exactly how But I what I'm saying is, like, what were the last, like, five or six... Like, when I started talking to there, I, I was transitioning from listening to the ASMR to commenting on it, and I went like this. That's what it does to you, man. <laughs> I mean, dude, I've never experienced ASMR, and we are wearing over-the-ear headphones, so yes, it's like yes. actually kind of perfect for ASMR. <laughs> dude, people like, dude, what are other ASMR sounds? I'm gonna look it up. Hold on, let me see. I mean, there's pretty much everything you can imagine. Um, there, I, I, I think my friend sent me a, an iPhone unboxing ASMR. I watched probably about 15 seconds of it because I got the gist, but I mean, you name it, it's there. Okay, this is. Oh, there's, this is like a montage of ASMR things. Oh, I couldn't have asked for a more perfect thing. Hold on. I might as well pull it up here, too. Jesus. Okay, I hate this. I'm... Okay, no, no. We're not going to just listen to advertisements on my pod. This is my podcast, and I don't want to listen to advertisements on it, okay? No more ASMR. No more... Okay, the only... No, I'm down for ASMR. <laughs> but, <laughs> but if I'm reading an advertisement, then it's because I'm getting paid for it. Okay, and with that being Damn said, right. with that with that being said, I'm 
I'm not going to drink any right now because I don't feel like drinking, but I'm currently holding a bottle of Harry Blues gin. And if you like drinking gin, here, go ahead and hold this bottle. How does that bottle feel? It's quality. It is a quality bottle. It's a key, It's not a cube because I feel like, I think a cube has the same um, surface area on each side, but what's the, or is a rectangle, because it's like a rectangle cube, you know what I mean? It's like longer than a, than a cube. I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like, you're probably just sitting there like, what the fuck? Does she a little bit more of that? a rectangle than a cube, but yeah, not, nonetheless, no, wait, but, 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 dude, but I see what you're but saying. A, recta- a rectangle isn't 3D though, Jared. You're right. Yeah. We're so missing it's not, a word. Um, what word are we missing? I don't know. I need a math teacher. Do you know any math teachers? Only one, but we, she only what? teaches second grade, you know what? so I don't know if we, I have she a bu- would know the word. I have a buddy who's really smart. Should, you want to just call my buddy who's really smart? Yeah, but I think you got a lifeline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is my lifeline. I'm calling Jared Trinkler. That loser. <laughs> oh, whoa. I'm, I'm about to have two, um, two, Jared, two Jareds on the pod. That'd be a great show, two Jareds. Stop. Jared, I have a question. It's a very innocent question for you, so don't worry. Uh, you are being recorded right now, and I hope that's okay. But I have a very innocent question for you. It's about math. Okay. Why am I being recorded? Because you're on a podcast with my friend who's also na- who, whose name is also Jared. Whoa. I know. Okay. Crazy. Say hi, Jared. Hey, Jared. Hi, Jared. <laughs> hi, Jared. <laughs> hi, Ke- Jared. Hi, Kevin. Hi, like, Jared. Hi, Jared. Can we just say hi, Jared? Okay, sorry. Um, okay, so here's the question for you. You know okay. what? You know what a cube is, right? Like a like a three D yeah. cube. Okay, what's it called if the cube ha- like uh, is more of like a rectangle type of cube? You know what I'm saying? Uh, it wouldn't be a cube. It'd be a rectangular prism. It would be a rectangular prism. See, this or, is why. The, uh, the, uh, or, God bless. Wait, you. wait, hold on. He said or. Hold on, or. Or a square prism. Wait, or or, or wait, wait, a what? Or a square prism. Is a rectangle a form of a, of a square? A square is a rectangle. Yeah. Are you a square? <laughs> I'm always square. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm gonna shut off your sound. I love you. Bye. All right. See ya. <laughs> that's Jared. That's Jared Trinkler. Hey, he saved us. Save the day. Yeah, so it's a rectangular prism. Wow. The Graham Radio podcast is saved. <laughs> Thanks, Jer- thank you, Jared. Thank you, Jared. Yeah. Um, is it is a podcast just talking ASMR? Is is you know what I mean? Like, is this just ASMR but just talk? Is talk radio a form of ASMR? I mean, I would like to think so. I'd like to think so too. All right. Back to the topic at hand. Oh, wait, hold on. Um back back to the topic at hand. Okay. Uh, what were we talking about? Penguins, WikiLeaks, penguins, and uh, unidentified aerial phenomena. Yeah. What What's up with penguins? <clears throat> well, you know, you were discussing the um, the pineal gland, and it's actually really or the third eye, so to speak. And it's interesting if you go to WikiLeaks and look up uh, penguins. I think I already pulled it up. Yeah. WikiLeaks. Ah, fuck! I don't see it. Galactic Federation. That was fun. <laughs> I guess I haven't yet, but uh, there's an article discussing how they are uh, harvesting penguin uh, pineal glands for scientific research. There's really no, not much more information than that, but Peng- okay, it's wait. interesting. Do you see any of this? Uh, is any of this here? I mean, dude, that sounds super interesting. If they're excru- wait, but why are they doing it? Google. All right, so uh, some shit just went down, and uh, the we podcast will be continuing this. So. Yeah, yeah, the, the podcast is uh, to be continued. 
Th- this has been part one of Jared Bambus. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, dude. I love you. Peace. I love you too.